spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely their fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. Talk Recorded live. Welcome into the Rocky Top Talk podcast. I'm Will Shelton flying solo tonight from RN. Appreciate your patience. We've been gone for a couple of weeks with uh, travel schedules between Joel and myself. And much has changed for Tennessee, or at least in the nature of the conversation since the last time we uh, were together on this podcast. Uh, last time we were together, Tennessee was preparing to play Alabama. Of course, the tide rolled over that depleted Tennessee squad 49-10. to 10. Then we had an off week and then a horrific loss uh, against South Carolina and then a good old-fashioned beatdown of an FCS foe. But the tone has swung back uh, really in, in a positive direction for Tennessee because of what happened to Florida last week. And uh, I know in many ways folks look at Tennessee as, as the, the favorite now in the SEC East with three weeks to play. And, of course, a team that got in that SEC East conversation that nobody really thought was going to get in there is Kentucky. A close loss to Georgia obviously took some destiny out of their own hands last week, but the Vols and Wildcats will meet still with a lot to play for here on Saturday. And to discuss that game, we are joined tonight by Keith Garrett from our old friends at a sea of com, who, between football and basketball, I think have been on this podcast more than uh, more than any other SB Nation blog. And so, Keith, we uh, are glad to have you on again. How are you? I'm great. I really appreciate you guys having me on. It's uh, it's an honor to be able to talk about this game. It's a bigger game than normal in the series. Yeah, it seems like at the at the start of the year that Kentucky, uh, and, and obviously folks doing this, including me and, and Tennessee fans, were wrong, but it seems like Kentucky was the first team written off in the SEC. Stoops was the first coach kind of written off. Okay, he's not going to make it. Uh, with what I know had to be a frustrating situation there against Southern Miss for you guys and the way the Florida game went. But since then, Kentucky's been nothing but competitive and, and won all the SEC games until last week. Is is there, for Tennessee fans that maybe checked out on this team after those first couple games, is there something that changed for, for Kentucky that's made this difference? Or, uh, is, is, you know, is this kind of just the, the natural progression of, of this year's team? What's made the difference here with this this run of, of pretty good football here for the Wildcats. I, I think what happened is they heard a lot of the hype in the offseason about how this is year four, this is the year we win six or seven games, go to a bowl, and, you know, everything's going to be fine. And then they get up 35-10 to 10 on Southern Miss, think easy street, and then you look up and we've blown a 25-point lead at the half at home to Southern Miss, to our former offensive coordinator, by the way. And then – you know, that loss carried into Florida and became a disaster, a beatdown. You know, you, nothing – if you're going to lose a game, you like to learn something. You like to be able to build off of it. You could build nothing from that game. So I think we rode off Kentucky. Uh, I was blistering Mark Stoops. I thought he was not the man for the job. I thought he should go. And even if they had to pay $12 million, it needed to happen sooner than later because it just looked like the regression had already started. And if you look at Stoops' first three years, the first year was terrible, but it's understandable. The last two years, he started off well, 5-1, and 4-2, and two, and then we regressed for the rest of the season. So the prevailing thought, I think, amongst the fan base was, wow, if we're not even going to start hot, how bad is it going to be down the stretch? 
So I think there was a a group think of, well, we might win two games. We might win three games. Mark Stoops is going to get fired. And then I don't know what happened. I, there's not one singular <laughs> event. I think when Drew Barker got hurt and they were forced to go to a run-pass option with Steven Johnson, I think that got Eddie Graham into more of a comfort zone, and he was able to start using Boom Williams and Benny Snell because Benny Snell didn't touch the ball the first two games. He didn't even get in the game. So his first collegiate game was in the third game of the season. I think once that happened, they kind of gained an identity. So now, instead of a team that we wanted to throw the ball down the field left and right, we became a balanced run-pass option team, and I think that that has what that's what's carried the momentum to win these games. You look at Snell, like you say, didn't get any action there the first two games, and he's got almost 800 yards, five and a half yards to carry, ten touchdowns. Uh, and then Boom Williams, I think you put these two guys together, Boom Williams averages 7.3 yards per carry. Is this something, again, fans maybe that haven't seen a lot of Kentucky? I know early in the Georgia game there was a lot of talk about the, the Wildcat and that kind of being the, the primary thing. Is that against Tennessee? Do you, how much of the Wildcat package uh, do you expect Kentucky to, uh, to employ on Saturday? I think you'll see plenty of it, but I think there's going to have to be a wrinkle because Georgia kind of exposed – what other teams aren't. Every other team that we ran the Wildcat against, they played a standard defense. Well, Georgia put one defensive back out on the corner with Steven Johnson and a receiver. They didn't care. They had one DB to guard two receivers, daring Kentucky to throw it. We never threw it. Well, what happened? We had eight. They had eight in the box. and we, Benny Snow had a great game. Don't get me wrong. But he ran the ball a lot, and he, he got stuffed a lot. So I think they're going to have to come up with some wrinkles if they're going to run that wildcat, but but you're going to see it because Benny Snell is really he is a sight to see. I mean, the kid, if you've watched him at all, his ability to to make people shake off of him, get hit, throw them off, and and fall forward is as good as anybody I've seen probably since R2 Spinner, who was a great running back for us. So you'll see it a lot, but I think there's probably going to be some wrinkles. I don't think it's going to be the standard. What I've been intrigued by, you know, and I, I know some will look at this Kentucky run here and say, okay, well, they beat the, the other three worst teams in the SEC East, beat the worst team in the SEC West. The, that Mississippi State win certainly looks better after they took care of Texas A&M on Saturday. But it's been impressive to me, you know, they, they've won them multiple ways. The, you, the low-scoring stuff with South Carolina and with Vanderbilt, they were able to win both of those games. Then they were able to turn around the very next week after Vanderbilt and beat Mississippi State 40-38. to they put the points up on Missouri like like most teams have done. Is, like you said, maybe a hard time trying to nail down exactly what this thing has been or what sparked this turnaround. But it, it seems like that Kentucky's defense uh, has, has been a, a little bit part of the equation uh, here as well. Have you noticed them playing noticeably any, any better after giving up, uh, I guess, 89 points in the first two games? Oh, absolutely. And, in fact, uh, D.J. Elliott was de facto demoted. Mark Stoops took over the defense, and he will publicly will say that D.J. still does everything and that Stoops just has a little bit more input, and that's just not the case. He is controlling defense. He is the defensive coordinator. And since that game, you have seen a market improvement on our ability to stop the run, to make the fundamental tackles. I think he simplified things, whereas I think D.J. tried to be too elegant, tried to be too – cool or whatever and it just didn't it wasn't working it was creating gaps it was creating exposed holes and I think Stoops has just said pin your ears back go get them play hard hit hard 
And since he's taken over the defense, you know, Kirby Smart and Nick Saban have come out and said Kentucky is one of the more physical teams we've played. So I think him taking over the defense, putting that pin your ears back and just hit them as hard as you can mentality in everybody has made a huge difference. And honestly, it's that is the reason I think Kentucky has a puncher's chance this weekend. I don't think they're have a – it'll take some breaks going our ways. I mean, I'd say the spread's 13-and-a-half. It's probably about right because to come into Neyland against the talent Tennessee has, it's tough for anybody, much less tough for a team that's less talented. So I think that mentality of Stoops having the defense thinking they're better than the team they're playing, no matter who it is, gives us a chance in all the games. And I think it's why we almost beat Georgia, and it's why we did beat those other teams that were pretty bad. Yeah, because, you know, the the only loss there before last week during this run was, was Alabama, which is no shame. I mean, it, you played them closer than we did, 34-6 um, to six back on October 1st. Is this – so you're you're going to get bowl eligible this year with Austin P sandwiched here between at Tennessee and, and at Louisville left on the yep. schedule. Um, is – how much house money is Stoops playing with here? Because, you, you know, Tennessee will, will be a two-touchdown favorite – Louisville at Louisville is going to be a bigger favorite than, than that. You're catching Louisville at, at kind of the peak of, of their program. How After that angst in the first two weeks of the season, finally going to get to, to six wins here, maybe have a chance to get to seven, win the bowl game, maybe have a chance to get to eight if you're able to win one of these at Tennessee or Louisville. Is is everybody okay now with, with Stoops? Is, this, is there any sense of anxiety about needing to, to kind of get one of these? Or how do you view him kind of with this fan base right now? You're spot on about house money. He's playing with house money from here on out. The moment that he he won that game against Mississippi State, he ensured his future. And I even wrote an article about how, you know, I went for three weeks of, you know, pleading for the guy to get fired to, okay, he's earned it. And he did because for the first three years, he did a lot of the same stuff. He beat South Carolina and he beat Vanderbilt and he beat Missouri, and that's it. No other SEC teams. Well, this year he went and beat Mississippi State. He went on the road to beat Missouri, beat Vandy, beat South Carolina. So now we're seeing progression. So after those two wins in a row and then this well-played but missed opportunity game against Georgia, he certainly earned it house money. And losing to Georgia actually makes it even more of a, of a house money situation because the the chances of Atlanta are highly slim. I mean, it's just – granted, if we beat you guys, that's our last ACC game, and – if the chips fall where they may, it could happen. But I think Atlanta is definitely not in the minds of the players. I don't know if it was before, but it definitely isn't now. And I think it really is just house money from here on out. And uh, there's not going to be that much pressure. And there is no pressure from the fan base. There is no pressure from the administration. We really have accomplished what we needed to this year. Really, you just don't want to get routed by Louisville or Tennessee. Be competitive. Beat Austin P go to a good bowl game, get the extra month of practice, and 2016 will be considered a success. Yeah, because I, I was trying to go back here. This is – that would – granted, you know, assuming a win over Austin P. this is Kentucky's first bowl appearance since 2010. Is that right? It is, 2010. It's yeah, funny. They went so, on a string of five years in a row. I think there was only two or three SEC teams that had done that. And then, of course, Joker Phillips comes in and – tanks the, the whole thing so it's uh it's been a long dry spell and, and those teams you know tennessee fans hearkening back to the butch jones has gotten the program now kind of back to the the 
um, the later Philip Fulmer sort of stuff of, of nine and three and things like that. But, you know, those, those Kentucky teams are the ones I remember 2007 in particular of, of being legitimately good, strong, um, dangerous Kentucky teams, dangerous for anybody uh, to, to play against. And I feel like, you know, Kentucky, again, right now sitting with a top 40 recruiting class, a couple four-stars in the books, and really only uh, 24-7 has got you guys with only 14 commitments so far for the, for the class. So maybe some room to, to grow there. Um, is, is there a sense here of not just Stoops having turned this thing around and saving his job this year, but a, a continued sense of optimism of, building this program back towards that level of going to bowl games every year and maybe even being um, more talented than we saw Kentucky be during that, that streak in the late part of the last decade. That's the hope. And right now that's the way it's trending. The fact that he could pull off these, these last five weeks is, is evidence that there is progression. It is headed towards that. And back in the Rich Brooks days, his teams had balanced offense and they had a defense that will just smack you in the mouth. They may not have had the most talent, but they played as hard as they could. They hit people hard, and that seems to be the life that this team is taking on. Very balanced offense, a defense that just wants to hit you in the mouth, and better recruiting. So hopefully that's the trend that it stays on. And if what's funny is if you're a Kentucky fan, you are wildly pessimistic about football versus basketball. You really think the worst is going to happen. The other shoe is going to fall. So we all kind of wait with bated breath on, yeah, it looks good on paper, but let's see what happens in 2017. But but to answer your question, yes, the trend is going more towards the Rich Brooks days instead of the Joker Phillips days, and it's it's all attributable to the last four weeks of football. And I think, too, you have to feel good about – you know, there, there's relative uncertainty in in most of this division. You know, I, I, Butch Jones has has gotten Tennessee to eight and four, maybe has a chance to win the East this year, nine and three. But Tennessee's still going to have some some room, still going to be looking for some room to grow there. Florida, really, uh, you know, we'll see what happens within the next couple of weeks, but maybe regressing a little bit this year. Georgia, everybody else is dealing with new coaches and, and, you know, Muschamp has made a little noise here, but nobody else has kind of separated themselves. And so maybe some opportunity uh, a little bit for, for Kentucky to, to kind of, and, and if they're playing at that level that they played at the, the 2007 ish sort of stuff, I think this will happen of maybe some legitimate opportunity here to, to take a step forward in the, in the pecking order with this SEC East division. After all, you guys right now are the, the only team to, to beat a West team uh, out of out of the East at the moment is is that you see that kind of maybe unfolding that way for Kentucky. Yeah, and um, that's one of the things that hurt the most about the last two years prior to coming in, and, and this year to some extent is when you start a season five and one like they did two years ago. You start a season four and two, and you see the SEC East, you know, kind of not deteriorating, but in a in a rebuild mode, and yeah. you don't take advantage of it. That's when it hurts the most. You know, that Georgia game, it was ours for the taking. We had a, a 21-16 to 16 lead midway through the third, 75-yard bomb to Jeff Bidette. Somehow it goes through his hands, but not enough through his hands to go to the ground, enough that he tips it up and the guy intercepts it. So instead of a touchdown and being up 28-16 with halfway through the third, Georgia's now got the ball. We go down, they beat us 27-24. But it's just that one play is 
a huge factor in missing an opportunity for this game this Saturday to potentially be for the SEC East crown. And fans see it. They live and die by it. And you're right. We view the next two to three years as if we're not going to do it then, are we ever going to do it? One thing we always like to ask when we have uh, one of the guys from your site on, obviously this this week falling where it usually falls on the calendar, basketball rolling right around. Most, you know, you, usually when we have you guys on, it's all right. Tell us about your freshmen. We don't know any of these guys because most of them are new. I'm personally so thrilled to not have Tyler Eulis in my life anymore. Uh, I, that 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 guy um, was a delight to watch for you, I'm sure, uh, but super stressful uh, for uh, for us. So give give us the. Uh, Give us the the sixty second primer on, uh, or I mean, you can feel free to go longer than that if you want. But but the, what's what's the quick primer on Kentucky basketball this season? Well, what's interesting in the national media and Sports Illustrated, I think it was today or yesterday, came out with their four pundits picking the Final Four, and none of them picked Kentucky to be in the Final Four, and hmm. they're they're seeming to get a little bit slighted nationally, which is kind of funny because this is probably his best freshman class he's ever brought in. Um, this team is going to be a lot like the John Wall, DeMarcus Cousins team with a little bit better shooting and much better ability to steal the ball. I have never seen a team under Calipari be able to to get into passing lanes, deflect balls, and just make steals like this team has. Now, granted, we've only seen a blue-white game and two exhibition games, but the, uh, the activity they have on defense is highly impressive. Um, you're going to see a guy named De'Aaron Fox at point guard who is, looks a little bit like a left-handed John Wall. He he's more he's he's fast, whereas John Wall was quick. You know, Wall exploded into plays. Fox just glides into them. Uh, Malik Monk is going to be one of the most prolific scorers in America at the two guard, and he is a freak of an athlete. He's going to posterize a lot of people. Um, and then with the 2010 team, you had Patrick Patterson as the senior leading us. And that was a big reason why we didn't get past the Elite Eight. We were one of the three best teams in America. It was that mix of incredible talent plus some experience and some senior leadership. And they got that entire mix this year with Derek Willis as a senior coming back. He's an X factor. If he can stay on the court, if he can hit threes, we are a championship type caliber team. Um, they've got two 6'10, 6'9 guys that can play like guards and Sasha Clay Jones and Winion Gabriel. Uh, long, rangy guys with speed, confidence. They can all shoot it. And um, that's going to be the core of this team is 8-9 is deep, hard defense, highlight plays, and, and really just destroying the will of teams. That's going to be the, the identity of this team. It's not going to be one that's a great shooting team. It's not going to be one that just dominates inside. It's going to be one that feels like you're playing against seven players. And um, – if they stay the course, this has a chance to be a championship title team. But but as we all know, when you have that many freshmen, you, you got to see how they progress and how much better they become. Fair enough. All right, before we let you go, give us your, your thoughts. You mentioned defense being important in this matchup on Saturday. What's the one thing that, that – or the biggest thing for Kentucky that they need to do in terms of trying to pull this upset? And for Tennessee, what's what's one big thing that, that Tennessee might have success doing against this Kentucky team? Uh, I'll start with what I think Tennessee will have the most success with, and I think if DeBoer decides to use Dobbs more in a pass-run option instead of drop back, it, he will have a field day. We struggle with pass-run option players, and Dobbs has killed us for two, year, two years in a row now 
that's where they can have the most success on offense, in my opinion. Um, on defense, I fear that Derek Barnett may uh, may break uh, my buddy Corey Miller. I'm, uh, I go to D1 with him, and, and he gives me crap all the time <laughs> about having that sack record. And uh, I fear Derek Barnett, he could break that sack record. Uh, he could have four or five. He's a, he's a monster. And, and Johnson doesn't have the greatest pocket presence, so it's, it's going to be like a buffet for, for him uh, going back there. Uh, for Kentucky, what they have to do, and they haven't been able to do this all year, is not turn the ball over. I don't know how we've won the games we have because we've turned it over 20-some times. But Tennessee is a team that turns it over too. So I yeah. think if we can limit our turnovers, take two or three away from Tennessee, then it could come down to a, a situation where, where there's a, the game's on the line in the fourth quarter. All right, very good. You can check out Keith uh, over at aseaofblue.com. Great stuff there. If, if you are a, just a college basketball fan, they are an excellent read all throughout basketball season, as you would expect. Great stuff for, uh, for football as well. I believe our old buddy Glenn Logan is still, uh, still over there kicking with, uh, with you guys as well, right? So, he is. He uh, is. We, we, won't, we won't let him go anywhere. <laughs> long, long, long time, like Lane Kiffin days, friend of the podcast, Glenn Logan. So, uh, yeah, there, there uh, was there was a time when it was it would it should have been just called a sea of Glenn Logan because he was the man, <laughs> ran everything, and he's he surrounded himself with some uh, some more people to make it easier, and he's been able to take a step away. But but for years, you're right. I mean, he carried that torch. Yeah. Keith, we appreciate it very much, man. You can check him out at aseaofblue.com. Uh, always appreciate it. Maybe uh, we'll get a chance to talk to you again during basketball season. Thanks again so much for joining us. Hey, much appreciated. All right, again, as we said, I'm, uh, I'm flying solo tonight, but just a couple of thoughts before we, uh, before we close down here. Uh, I, I think on the football side of things, it, it's interesting and it's easy for Tennessee fans to get lulled to sleep a little bit here with this Kentucky game because of – what Butch Jones has done against Kentucky thus far. Tennessee has, has not been challenged by Kentucky during Butch's time here. In 2013, after uh, really a, a, a frustrating end to bowl eligibility against Vanderbilt, Josh Dobbs as a true freshman still able to go up and, and get it done. It's a 13-point game, but, but for that team, Butch's first team being able to win an SEC game by 13 points uh, really felt like more than that. 14, Dobbs' second start as the full-time starter after Tennessee came off that miraculous win uh, over South Carolina and really had a ton of success, 50-16, to 16, uh, getting it done over the Wildcats in Knoxville. And then in 2015, last year, uh, Kentucky really competitive throughout the first half and then just an explosion of big plays from Tennessee in the second half. Josh Malone and Josh Dobbs connected on that long play, kickoff return, punt return, uh, an interception by Darren Kirkland Jr. that gave Tennessee excellent field position. That was one of, if not the most complete kind of game packages uh, that uh, that we have seen from uh, from Butch Jones in his uh, in his time here in terms of getting it from all three phases. So I, I know there is some part of Tennessee in the conversation that says, um, you know, well, Butch has handled Kentucky, this will be fine. But we had this conversation at the start of the season with season opening teams where these mid-major, really good mid-major teams that Tennessee has played to open seasons where we were cautious of Petrino at Western Kentucky and Tennessee blew them out. And then we were really worried about Chucky Keaton at Utah State in 2014 and Tennessee blew them out. And Bowling Green gave Tennessee a game for three quarters, but Tennessee ends up winning by 29. And so we all, me included, kind of all talked ourselves into Appalachian State being 
you know, something else that Tennessee would be ready for, and the Volunteers would certainly not have a tough time with Appalachian State, uh, and we uh, we certainly all know what happened there. So uh, that's uh, that's one where I would caution, you know, using the the past to inform the present. Uh, and as, as Keith shared with us earlier, I think that this is a Kentucky team playing with a lot more confidence, uh, probably than any of the ones that Butch has faced thus far. And the other thing for Tennessee is we just we we really are unsure exactly what we're going to get. I know the Tennessee Tech game made everybody feel a little bit better, but the the offensive just weirdness uh, against South Carolina. We we haven't been on the air the last couple of weeks to talk about this, but um, the the weirdness of of how and why Tennessee struggled and the way that they did against Will Muschamp's defense. Some of that stuff obviously can be read into with Jalen Hurd's situation, which obviously has resolved itself. And if you're a Tennessee fan, you can talk yourself into maybe without Jalen Hurd, this team is is going to just naturally look better because they've got running backs, whether it's Alvin Kamara getting in the, in the action again this week or John Kelly, who uh, also averages about seven yards a carry this season. Uh, maybe things will just flow much more naturally, and I think that would that would obviously be great uh, if uh, if that was the case. But uh, I, I just you know I'm I'm not sure we can really nail down uh, a projected outcome here. I think a close game would not surprise me. Tennessee wins by the the two touchdowns ish that they're favored by. That wouldn't surprise me. And if they come out like gangbusters again, we've we've seen them be able to do that against Kentucky the last three years, but. Uh, I, you know, I, I'm really interested to see how this thing will play itself out. And now that they are back very much in the SEC East picture and maybe even being considered the favorite, uh, I, I would be really curious to see if that adds a little spark that maybe some of the Jalen Hurd stuff didn't allow to come through uh, against South Carolina a couple of weeks ago. So certainly Tennessee also playing with, with some um, I know folks are disappointed about not being in the playoff race because of that South Carolina loss and seven turnovers against A&M, but uh, still in some some air that they haven't, some atmosphere that they haven't walked in uh, since 2007. Uh, One quick note about basketball as well. Tennessee opens the regular season. The men open the regular season Friday night uh, against Chattanooga. If you pay attention uh, around here, Chattanooga, this this is not a – Rick Barnes is a big scheduler of, of going out and, and playing Gonzaga in Nashville and playing at North Carolina. I think it's the first regular season meeting between Tennessee and North Carolina in something like six decades. Uh, Barnes has scheduled major conference opponents like he's still at Texas with those quality teams. And as we know, Tennessee has, uh, has, has not matured to that level under Barnes just yet. going to have seven freshmen, and you might see all of them uh, Friday night. Tennessee's 99th in the uh, preseason Ken Pomeroy ratings at KenPom.com. Uh, 10th in the SEC, which is a little better than the 13th that they were picked at uh, at Media Days. But Chattanooga, two spots ahead of them at, uh, at 97th. I'm, I'm, we'll preview this game on Friday on our site. Uh, but if Tennessee loses this game, I'm not exactly sure how much of an upset that would, that would really be, especially early when you, you've got so many freshmen that are going to get involved. Um, and, and that'll be one that, of course, Tennessee not used to losing to, to in-state foes like Chattanooga, even when they're good. Uh, all those years that Bruce Pearl was here and, and Tennessee kept playing Belmont, those good NCAA tournament Belmont teams, Tennessee just always found a way to beat them. Uh, and and I, I believe it's true to say that we have to go back to Buzz Peterson to find a Tennessee basketball team that lost to an in-state foe, other than Vanderbilt, of course, uh, in, in the non-conference that wasn't Memphis. 
Uh, and of course, the Vols and Tigers are uh, are are in dispute about whether or not to play that series as well. So it's a really interesting and a really challenging uh, season opening game there for Tennessee on Friday night. That's one of the things that where Saturday morning, if if folks open the paper or they they check the box score and they see, oh, Tennessee lost to Chattanooga, it's no good. Uh, it's a dangerous and just kind of an unfortunate situation to lose that game where. Uh, it may end up hurting you uh, more more than it helped uh, in, in scheduling it. So uh, be really interested to see. Tennessee is going to bounce to Maui uh, right after that, uh, a couple weeks after that, with Wisconsin, who's a top-10 team, and then that loaded field that includes North Carolina and Oregon. Um, so so lots of opportunity right away for Tennessee, but uh, lots of freshmen who are going to get thrown in the deep end of the pool right away as well. We will, uh, of course, be tracking the, the men's team and the Lady Vols as well, as we always do, as those seasons get set to get underway. We will uh, continue with our preview stuff this week. If you haven't been by the site this week, had a post today on uh, Tennessee's fourth-quarter offense, still, believe it or not, is first in the country in Bill Connolly's S&P Plus ratings. Uh, just uh, the defenses statistically that Tennessee's getting ready to face here in Kentucky and Missouri and Vanderbilt will be statistically easier than any of the ones that they have played so far this year, uh, and, and that may affect that ranking a little bit. But while we can still say it, uh, it's, it's certainly incredible, I think, to say that uh, Tennessee has been able to do what they've done in the fourth quarter on offense. So that's up on our site. Uh, today we'll have full statistical preview uh, tomorrow. We're taping this on uh, Wednesday night, so by the time you hear it Thursday morning, that should be up on our site as well. Uh, narrative preview and a basketball preview coming on Friday as well. So. Thanks again for your patience. Like I say, we, Joel and I have been uh, had had just been traveling and and uh, all kinds of things, and so uh, we appreciate you listening. Appreciate folks who have asked where we've been for the last couple of weeks, uh, and glad to be back with you here tonight. Our thanks to Keith at a Sea of Blue and all the great folks over there. You can listen to old podcasts online or find us at iTunes. And uh, appreciate you listening as always. For uh, it, Joel Hollingsworth in absence, uh, and for Keith Garrett who joined us earlier, I am Will Shelton. And this has been the Rocky Top Talk Podcast. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.